Hello. Please consider supporting this podcast by joining our Movers Mindset Insiders program. Membership is $5 per month, and insiders get early access to podcast episodes, exclusive emails, and a private discussion area. You can also submit questions for the monthly guest Q&A follow-up episodes, and you'll get the occasional discount codes for cool swag. Interested? Read more at moversmindset.com slash insiders. Thanks for listening. Hello, I'm Craig Constantine. Hello, I'm Andy. I have blue hair. I like bars. Andy Taylor has built several gyms. He's coached high-level athletes and elite movers. He created the beloved Tetris Vault, and he's passionate about capturing that urge and inspiration you get when you walk into that awesome space where you just want to move and play. Welcome, Andy. Hello. Today, we're going to talk about gym construction and design standards and, and these kinds of ideas. And first, I want to try and explain why this is really important. And one of the things you and I talked about is the idea of a gym being inspiring. So you walk into the gym and some gyms just click. You can see the high-level athletes, it's kid in a candy store, and good luck getting them out at closing time. And I'm just wondering if you can help me unpack a little bit about how do you put that inspiration into the gym and how does that inspiration in the gym relate to what one might find outside? When I sit down to design a gym, I try to call to the inner child that is in us that makes us want to play. Uh, this is true when I design anything, but we can talk about gyms specifically here. Whenever you go to certain spots, some spots just kind of call to you. And though you go to other spots, you can play there for hours and train and do things, but you don't ever really drive back there. And that really shows in a lot of gym design because you can go into spaces and you can train forever, right? And you can play and do that, but it takes sometimes emotional energy to make that happen as opposed to there are just like when you walk into some big brightly colored space, you just feel like a kid. Right, And it, if it looks like a video game, if it looks like the video games sell for reasons, you know, they're hitting some sort of base inner thing that's in us that makes us just want to explore and play. And if you design a facility so that like this is the section that has bars, this is the sections that will have mobile obstacles so I can teach my classes. This is the sections that have concrete walls. This is where they will jump. Here's where climbing challenges go. Yeah, exactly. And whenever you do that, like you can go in and you can train and you can do some cool stuff, but it is that is one way to stifle some of that call to us. Because if you go and you have this jumpy section that has a bunch of walls and whatever, and you just stick one bar in it, people will play on that bar. You know, it will kind of just call to them a little bit. They'll be like, what is that? What can I do here? Is there a bar here? I don't know. I got an idea. <laughs> yeah, right? And if you take your big flat, like four by four by eight box, right? And just put an indent window into it. Um, and then put a, a, a four by four sticking out of it like six inches. People will play on that. And the nuances and the intricacies in the design really make us want to interact with it. Now, you can design things that push people away because you've got this sweet bar set up right here, right? And you've got 
uh, an eight-foot span on the back so you can get a full swing on it. But then in front of it, it's got a four-foot, four feet away from that bar. There's like a pole sticking out, right? And it's like aimed at the bar. <laughs> and you're like, I don't want to swing on that, right? Um, and it, it's just scary looking. Right. And you can build things that are just too close to an edge and there's concrete right next to it. And you're like, oh, I don't want to do this thing there. I'd love to, but it's scary. And there are some things that we want to do that, that encourage you to overcome fear. But we don't want things to be needlessly, like yeah, we, we don't, don't want anyone to bring to get danger to the party just for fun, right? Yeah, right. <laughs> um, so having things, having putting those types of things in your design in a way that makes you just want to explore the area is really important. And it's, it's something that you kind of have to have an eye for. You have to sit down and understand because we're, we're not talking about like, like a lot of people don't, may not even agree that this is something that you should do. Some people might have the opinion that they're extremely utilitarian. They want to have this space here, this space here, this space here, because it makes sense for their business, how things flow. You have to, in your philosophy of how you train and what you do, have to believe that this is a thing, this thing that I'm talking about, this childlike want to play, because some people don't even uh, tap into it or use that in it because of the way that they practice parkour. So you have to believe that. And then after you believe that, you have to um, uh, figure out yeah, like how am just I going to implement that? How is that, that going to come to life in my design, in my space? Yeah, see, like look at it in every little instance. Say that this is a factor. This is a checkmark box for each thing that I design. What can be done here? Can kids play on it? Yes, no. Can, can adults play on it? Yes, no. Can, uh, is it pretty enough? Is it slippery? Is it built sturdy? Is it something that calls to people? And each one of these are different checkmark boxes. And you should be looking at each one of these as a legitimate factor when you design any space or any single obstacle. Yeah, subspace or a micro component. Mm-hmm. So obviously it's basic knowledge that you should have to meet local codes and government codes and construction codes. But there's, in terms of a parkour gym, there's way more than that. It's not just... Is this facility safe for large numbers of people and doesn't have the bathrooms that code requires? Um, there's also questions like, is this box going to fall over? How strong is this scaffolding? And um, how do we get to a point where people know where to go for that? Well, I mean, the thing that's nuts whenever you try to set up a gym is that we, it, it's the, the world is crazy. So if you go in and you try to get inspected, uh, then the inspector decides what boxes you fall under. Right. So there is no box for parkour. Right. So whenever you go in and you say, hey, I want to build this parkour gym, they say, well, what is it? And you describe it. And in their mind, they hear cheerleading. Right. They're like, so then you're a cheerleading gym. So you have to meet cheerleading standards. So how you design and build that gym from then on will fail or pass based on those standards. And some, the next guy might say that you're gymnastics. The next guy might say that you're a, a public bounce gathering, house. right? Like yeah. a church would be. Yeah. Who knows? Like they could just pick some random thing and say, you've got to meet these ridiculous outlandish standards. They might say that any box that's eight feet tall has to have a, a handrail around it. Exactly. You know, <laughs> because really people might jump off of that. So then you will then have to design your entire gym at seven foot six so that then uh, no one can, we don't have to put handrails around our boxes. On those eight foot heights. Right? Yeah. So then finding that kind of stuff out is, it's really hard and complicated. And what we really need is we need people that are knowledgeable about parkour to get together 
and put out a good basic set of standards that are that will that no matter what you do, where you put these things, if you have press board, your gym shouldn't be yeah, together. If you're no. <laughs> if you're using like eighth inch drywall screws or something like that, like structural you know what right. I mean? Yeah. Like there's a ton of things that you just we need to meet these standards. And from there, um, we need to get the government to pass well, that there's and a get lot the code of, to do it. Yeah, there's a lot of neat things, like when you look at how decks are built, there's a lot of structural components mm. of deck building that we can go, well, this is where we got, this is why we're saying use this kind of screw because it's from this. But we can bring together all those disparate pieces. This is why we have bars here but not railings there. And then that, it actually isn't, new material, but it would then present it in a cohesive fashion. And then the dream would be that it would be included in the actual building code so that the inspectors would know what they're looking at. Yeah. And that, that's really scary for a lot of people. Yeah. So a lot of people say, oh, you're going to come in and tell me that I have to build my gym and design it this way. You know, now all the gyms are going to be cookie cutter and look like this. And instead, you, it depends really on how you do it. You can say that if there, this is a thing that's going to be load bearing, then it has to have this amount of support, yeah. you know? And that doesn't impede on your design. That just says that th you can build what you want, but you have to build it this way. Now, getting the government to enforce this is cool, but so, there's another way to do it, I think. You could also just, I think that with gymnastics, what they do is that they say, if you're, if you're going to have a gymnastics gym, you have to have this label, right? And this label means that you're a bona fide gymnastics right. gym. And you can't get that label unless you pass this inspection. So it's not actually government enforcing it. So there's ways to do this where the eggheads of construction and parkour can get together. Right, and cook up the, the recipe that gives everybody else the design parameters. Yeah, which doesn't limit your parkour vision. Right. Um, but that just keeps us safe. Because that's a big thing here. The average person who wants to build a gym, which right away, that's a very small group of people, especially in America, it might be hundreds of people who would have visions of building a gym. Mm -hmm. and, and they're going to come at this with different, I mean, some people are going to build, you know, the Taj Mahal, right? And some people, mm -hmm. they just have infinite money to throw at it. And for them, it's just, where are the T's? And I cross them all and we make it look cool. And then there are other people who are going to be like a one-man shop and they're trying to just squeak by in a, an old firehouse. Mm -hmm. um, so can you kind of, pick apart the types, like the scales that you've seen and, and where does it really work and where's like the tipping point for success? Yeah, I've seen that anything, like you've got this mansion gym, 16,000 square feet, it's freaking huge, you go into <laughs> it with- 10 times the size of my house. <laughs> yeah, right? And you got, you got $250,000 to blow, you got two high bounce gymnastics trampolines and you've got custom built sculptures all over the gym um, and it's- You've got this Where crazy is this place thing. I want to go, right? <laughs> right? Yeah. And you see this, there are a couple of these gyms that are out there. Um, and like Tempest was this, the top tier, most amazing thing until people were like, I'm going to do that, but bigger. You know, because Tempest is 7,200 square feet, the Tempest that, that Mario won the first one. Okay. Um, and like, I mean, it's a great gym. We're not talking about that. We're talking about how. Uh, there's this giant mansion one. And what we end up finding, what I see, have seen in it, is that the large gyms that are over 10,000 square feet have to diversify 
um, because it's not something that they can really sustain completely on parkour. That they have breakdancing groups, or they have yoga groups, they have aerial silks, they have ninja, something like that. And whenever they split and diversify, then they're, everyone's learning from each other. It's a really healthy place, whatever. Maybe it's not, who knows? It depends how you run it. But that is a giant an master opportunity, thing. right. And a lot of people go in thinking that they're going to do that gym, but they don't have the breakdancer that's going to teach all the classes, right? They don't right. have the yoga person that's going to teach the classes. So when they go into this giant crazy thing, it ends up kind of like eating itself because the hardest part of business is finding uh, your team. Yeah, the other people. That's the hardest part. That is by far the hardest part. And people go into it thinking they've got all this money and they've got this space and they've got this passion and that that's going to be good enough. Um, mine's up there close. Mine's 11,000 square feet. So I think that mine is just a little bit of a luxury, but I got it for such a sweet price that it's, we're not really killing ourselves too much. Um, but between 10 and 6,000 square feet is that's kind of the moneymaker mark. Like the right? sweet spot. Yeah. And you got to find a good notes, price. Six to 10,000 square feet. Yeah. And this is all my opinion, but six to 10,000 square feet, you get to get people in there. They love it. Um, and you can sustain a business entirely on parkour in that. Um, and it's hard, right? Depending on what the price is that you get and whatever. But it doesn't, the gym doesn't feel empty whenever you're in it, whenever you got a couple people in there training. So it just, you can make it really baller. And it's not too small either. Because if you have this little small space and you can go in and it feels like it's packed all the time, but there's only 10 people in it, um, then you can't end up doing much there. You don't get to grow really as an athlete. Yeah, you're, run, you're not running any PC there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so then uh, the smaller gyms would be another scale. So you've got the like 5,000, 4,000 square feet, and there's someone that's like, right, we're trying to grow bigger. We want to. We just, it's hard to get over that little hunch, that little hump, whatever. Um, but then you've got the 2,000 square feet gyms. And those are the guys that are like, man, I need to, I need to fix this. I need to change it. And I've been talking entirely in square feet. That's not the entire marker. A lot of it is the money that you're putting into your build and the quality and the type of build that you're doing because you might you know, do it in sections and you yeah. might build it out of pallets or you might build it out of like... It's so neat for people who haven't, haven't gone to different gyms. I really encourage you because every one of them has not just a different vibe, which comes from the people who are there, but the spaces are so different. You mm -hmm. walk into one and it's effectively a pole building, you know, sheet metal garage with a concrete floor mm -hmm. and, and it's like Barville, you know, and everything's just scaff everywhere. And then you Sounds walk into amazing. another one. Yeah, you walk into like Andy's gym and, it, and it's, I don't know how to describe it. It's, I feel like I walked into a video game. You're like, just everything is, it's hard, you know, but there's video game characters and, you know, you can just, I'm like, yeah, uh, the guy who runs this has blue hair and the kids love it here. You know, it's like, <laughs> yeah. And it's different building a gym where you think about what do I want to play on as opposed Versus to what does everybody else need? And what, what is my clientele that's going to be paying the bills that keeps my business open going to be playing on? Right. Right. And then how do I get those guys to turn into people that I can train with every day as opposed to teach? Um, and making that 
is really hard and overwhelming. And then trying to tie that back into what we were talking about, about trying to build it with the right, like, do I use two by fours or two by sixes? Do I use this type of two by four or this type of plywood? You know, like knowing all this incredibly intense knowledge about building, which I'm a, I'm an electrician and have been for 12 years. So I've been around construction for like half my life. So it's hard to get that knowledge and then to take that and look at your now, what, 6,000 square feet, and it's just an empty box, and you've got to sit there and make that beautiful. It's really overwhelming um, to cross all your T's. So I can sympathize with the people that are trying to open a gym and that do it wrong because they don't know what to do. They don't have enough guidance. Someone hasn't stepped in and said, this is, you know, it's not public knowledge of how to build a gym right and how to run gym business. Right. Um, I mean, how many park, how many purpose-built parkour spaces do we really think there are in America at the moment? I and mean, we probably could name 20 if we just sat down with a pencil for a minute. Mm-hmm. Um, but could we get to 40? I mean, could we get to 50 before we were talking about CrossFit boxes that have a parkour person in-house? You know, yeah. like that, that's not a parkour gym. Um, I mean, I think those well, micro spaces might be a way to call those. I think micro spaces are good. It, it could be really good for an outdoor community to basically have a spot where they can go when it's snowing sideways and a place mm-hmm. to keep, you know, some places to work on muscle power and things. Um, but above the size of those micro spaces, we can't be at 100. We're lucky if we're at 50, I think. Yeah. And this whole time we've been talking about gyms, I think that a lot of this needs to, there's a smaller scale, which is how do I make my vault box, Right. Right. And uh, what do I use when I do that? And if you're a homeowner that's just trying to make something that their kids can play on, or if you're a practitioner that's just trying to make some basic stuff that you can play on at your house, uh, these types of standards do still matter because you can just destroy yourself forever just because you were playing in your backyard. Right. And then the, the different scale, still large, but outside parks, right? It's incredibly hard to get the, a park made because of all the, you got to get your city to approve it, all this liability involved, right. all and the standards. They want to know about maintenance and who's going to maintain this thing and how's it going, what's it look like in 10 years and how does it affect the view shed of the neighborhood? And- yeah, but then if you want to go and do that type of stuff in your backyard or do that stuff on your friend's property or something that's, yeah. you know, you find a way around it and then you're like, well, we can just, we don't have to deal with a city. Right, so we'll just whack this together and then when it falls over. Right. Yeah, and then... Yeah, and you're teaching kids or you're teaching your grandmother, teaching someone that's close how to do something on something that is shoddy yeah, or, right. or even not even shoddy, something that's built right, but it's not inspiring. It doesn't call you to play on it. So since I'm talking to you and you're used to building things and constructing and designing spaces, I think the place to start is the recent... I'm going to say gym collapse. It wasn't the entire gym. It was a balcony. But the recent gym collapse that happened out in California. And I want to get your thoughts on that because I know you have some strong opinions. And some people have had negative things to say about your strong opinions. (laughs) Constantly. Yeah. So I I spend a lot of time uh, focusing on helping small, like people that are trying to build a gym come Mm -hmm. to me and say, hey, you know how to build a gym? Let's build a gym. Uh, some people have money, so they'll come to me and say, hey, I want to give you lots of dollars, design my gym, show me everything. And then some people don't have any dollars, and I still try to hi- help them. I don't sit down and design their whole gym, but I'll guide them through the process. So I'm pretty familiar with starting from nothing and then having you know, a nice space at the end. Okay. Mm-hmm. From that point of view, I fully 
understand that corners are cut and that corners are cut everywhere all the time in every business that's that's Yeah, grown. not just in parkour spaces. Everything, all the time. And specifically with the parkour spaces, it's not um, don't cut corners because you have to in order to open. It's what corners can you cut. And the corners that says, like you say, all right, I've got $10,000 to spend on this little section. Uh, how much, you know, what am I going to put there? Well, you say, I've got this grand dream. I want these shapes and I want this thing here and I want that thing there. Um, and if you don't have the dollars to build that... The full vision? Yeah, to build that right, to build it so that it's, you know, hurricane-proof. If it can't take the weight, then you need to, in that section, just build less. And then in the future, you get more money, and then you build more in that space to fill out to your dream. But you just, instead of building 15 boxes, you end up only being able to build three because that's the amount of money that you have for mm -hmm. that space. You don't then build 15 boxes, but build them with less material or build them shoddy. Right. And I've seen a lot of people that say, you know, uh, press board or uh, particle board, it's uh, big chunks of sawdust where they just kind of glue it together. Whenever you go to Home Depot or something, you see that that stuff, like you, you yes. hit it with your hand, it's strong. Yeah, it's significantly less expensive. Yeah. However, it is not mechanically, it's not any mechanical structure. Yeah. It's not something that can deal with our repeated impact it just it doesn't work it's not something that should be made for anything in my my opinion um and there's a lot of other opinions and that's something that a lot of people that don't build can look at and they can relate to that like i can say well you you have to have a certain uh, like don't build a structure that's high up that's got this you know square footage with two by fours you have to use two by sixes or two by twelves right. and then i start getting talking more technical that people may not know but everyone can kind of relate to that press board stuff right. So watching, uh, this was something that where they had obviously cut the wrong corners. And, and I think the situation there, from what I read, it, it was more complicated because I think it's a multi-use space and the, the parkour gym may not have actually built that particular structure. I'm not sure. I, they may have built it. They may not have. Um, but that was clearly something that they needed someone who had a learned eye to look at that and go, wait a second, that's, we, we didn't build it, but that's not going to be good enough for 20 kids. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. If it's in their space at all, as soon as you, and nobody really knows a lot of this stuff because it's business, you know, and you, we're not business people that want to open a gym. If you have business, you're going to open something that makes money, not a parkour gym. <laughs> yeah, it's the exact opposite of successful, right? <laughs> yeah. So then uh, you go in and you're passionate about the sport and you want to make something amazing happen. And you don't, know that you've got to call these specific inspectors for these things. Like there isn't a guiding, there's nothing, there's not groups that just guide you through this entire yeah. process. And though there are in some areas, there's places that you can call and find, but you don't even know how to find those groups. Right. Like in Orlando, there was a place called SCORE, and I think that it is uh, it's a government-led thing that just has professionals together. Um, and it you might Just pick be, up the phone and call them and say, I'm trying to build a cafe. And they say, you need to talk to this guy. Yeah, and they'll tell you, you got to look at this, you got to look at this, you got to look at this. And if you know to look at those things and you don't, then you're negligent. Right. And you, sir, harsh words to say about that. But, if you, <laughs> but most of these people just don't know 
to look at these things. They're trying to cross their T's and dot their I's, but they don't know. Um, So if it's in their space, then they're responsible for it. Because even if like all legal replications, they get out of this lawsuit and they end up having to sue the building, not the parkour people because it's not technically, I mean, their their business is gone. They're done. You know what I mean? And that looks poorly on the rest of us. Just because the news, the media got a hold of it. Oh, yeah. The news jumped on it, right? Yeah. So I'm not an expert in uh, construction or especially not an expert in gym design, uh, although I've played in a bunch of gyms. Um, And one of the things that strikes me is your ideas about designing lines, like coming at the design of a space by imagining what people are going to do in that space, in those lines, that's kind of controversial. Some people look at that and say, no, that's that's the wrong, that's the exact opposite of what parkour or whatever you want to call it, ADD. That's the exact opposite of what that is. And I'm just wondering, like, why do you believe so strongly that designing lines is something that you should be doing when you're building these built spaces? I think that whenever you go out to a space, well, I mean, Anybody that has scouted out new spaces should be able to relate with, you see this spot and it looks beautiful and it's got handrails and it's got different levels and it looks amazing. And then you get there and you're like, I'm going to jump to, oh man, I can't, can't really jump to that because that thing's there. Or, oh, I'll go over this way then. I can't really do that. And you'll, you'll see spots that hit that childlike nature Mm -hmm. that we were referring to. And though it calls to you when you get there, there's not a whole lot that you can do there. Yeah. Because what is that crazy epic thing that we all, we know when we see it, when you see that epic line, you're like, that's the thing. Now, why is that only available in some places? Yeah. Yeah, so when that's not available, that's a spot that was not designed well for parkour, right? right? If there is a way to design well, then there's got to be a way to design poorly. And this is one of the ways that I think that is that. If it's not... Like if you have everything that's four feet apart, um, then you can jump over it and you go to an eight-foot thing, right? But then the next jump, if you want to go bigger than that, you've got to go, no, from now from eight to 12 feet. So that means that you've got to run to do it and maybe there's no run, right? Um, So having, when I sit down to, to do this, I'll look at there's this thing's four feet away. So that what can I do with that? And I can think of like 15 things that I can do with that. So then I say, well, um, if I put this wall there, can I still do that? And I'm like, well, no, but I can do this other 20 things, right? So then now because that wall's there, the space is not the same way. It's Mm -hmm. not designed the same way, but it's designed in a way that has more options. So then I'll say, well, what if I put this wall here? Because, you know, that Uh. wall was good. This wall is good. Let's put this wall here. Well, now I just lost about 30 of my options. So you're saying it's more about the designing adds to the options rather than takes away from the options. You're not imagining how the mover has to move through the space. You're trying to imagine how many different ways they could move through the space. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so I don't want to be constrictive. But I do want to say there is a sweet, like, rail pre right, right. over here, right? Yeah. There's a sweet thing that I can do. And I, I designed that. I put that in there. That was my plan. There's a sweet rail pre. And now, because uh, I, I did this at Beast Coast, the year that mm-hmm. I did that, I designed it. And I said, I'm going to have someone Kong this plank and grab this rail. And I was like, yeah, that's going to be cool. And then people did. And I was like, yeah, that's cool. But then... 
Yeah, they there, saw it. You didn't. You didn't tell them, right? I didn't you tell just them. built it, and of course, they saw it. Then after that, I saw people lining up to do Kong fronts to that rail. <laughs> right, and then I saw P- Kong fronts to grab the rail. Right, then I saw people doing hands and toes dash over that thing coming out. Right, I saw people that were just balancing along the side of it, um, and they were doing a lache to balance to land on the thing. And I saw a ton of movement. So I'm not going to be able to envision everything, right? And I don't want to. I know that there's like a, there's more, right? Right. But you can, if I sit down and say there is easily 30 things that I can do here, then that's probably a good spot. Probably a good line, right? Mm -hmm. So then that, that just opens up opportunities. In that fashion, I look for very basic lines that I can do. Right, so if there is thirty very basic things to do there, then it's probably a good spot because you can always intricate your movement. Yeah, a lot right? of times you can what what is one, two, three can kind of become six in one move. You know, you can just kind of go right over it. You can always up the ante. But it, but in the other sense, if you design something where you can only like it's got this weird diagonal log sticking out like right next to a bar with a wall up against it that becomes something that's more like dead space. So maybe you can come up with this absolutely beautiful, like maybe there's four things that you can do there that are just unreasonably amazing, right? Mm -hmm. But that's it. You just can't really do more than that, right? So that becomes something where now all you're doing is crawling around on the floor under a space because that's, that's the fifth thing, Right, because there's always something else you can do, but it's not. There's no line really inspiring. It's not going to call to you. It's not going to call to you. It's not going to be something that you want to show anyone that you've done. It's not truly an accomplishment to you whenever you train in that spot because it looks more like a broom closet than it does. Right. Right. So, what I love most about this, other than talking, what I love most about the podcast (laughs) is being able to ask people questions and then they just like. They open this door and I get a glimpse into a whole other world. And sometimes it's really scary what goes on in people's heads. But a lot of times it's really interesting. And I'm sitting here talking to Andy and I'm thinking, wait a second, wait a second. The gym is 11,000 square feet? Yes. How many lines are there in there that you've actually thought about? Oh my gosh. Um, In every spot I have, in any place that you're standing in the gym, um, I have envisioned... One, two, like front, back, side to side, and every diagonal. Oh, yeah, all the cardinals, right, right. Yeah, so I've done every, in any place that you can stand in the gym, I have planned lines for every one of those, (laughs) and and including you standing and you move over one foot, you got another set. Yeah, some of the spaces are phone booth size, some of the spaces are, you know, card table size, and then there's a couple of, the reason I ask that question is there's a couple of neat spots where, you go up on something and it's not a four by four, it's maybe like 10 inches by 10 inches. And it, and you're like, you get on it. And instead of being like, how do, what do I do now? I get on it and I go, wow, if I was any good, I could do like all these things. And I didn't really think of when I first did that, I didn't think about, I wonder if Andy thought of all this stuff. I just like threw all this stuff in there and like, you know, turn the blender on and then hit produce. Yeah. With my gym, I had four. So I was designing while I was building, but I designed four months before I built. And I was just constantly designing and reiterating. Did you do it in your head? Did you do it on CAD or how did you? What's 3D. Uh, so I use Google SketchUp right. uh, because it's free and right. it's easy to draw in. Uh, I'm 
I have currently used, now I can use the more advanced ones, but I still, Google SketchUp's the best place to just... Good enough, GE. Right? Yeah. But yeah, I have the whole place down to the inch, uh, down to the like eighth inch uh, built in Google SketchUp. And yeah, every line, just sit there, I will sit there with a the tape measure and lay it out. One of my favorite questions is something that I call the Storytime Project, which is where I ask people, Andy, is there a story you'd like to share with us? Uh, I could talk about this nice young, this five, six-year-old autistic girl who was nonverbal, has been coming to our gym for a while, and I, you know, I, I've been coaching for a long time, but I haven't worked with special needs. Uh, not really. And I sat down with her, and I tried to, you know, learn who she was a little bit, and she's been coming back with her parents thought that we worked well together. She couldn't hold her weight up with her hands. Her feet kind of turned in. Uh, she had like stump feet in the sense that she couldn't point her toes. She, like her feet looked fine. Maybe they're a little bit slanted, but she didn't use them. So she's been coming in for a while, maybe a couple months after we opened. And she would just come in for open gym. And I would say, you know what, let's, she needs to be able to hold this bar. And her mom's like, well, she can't hold her bar. She, you know, she's special needs. I'm like, well, first thing we're going to do is teach her that she can't climb with knees and elbows in here. And every time I would just sit there with her for, you know, 15 minutes or so. She's trying to climb on top of stuff. And I wouldn't, I, every time she put her knee up, I wouldn't let her. And eventually I'd put her feet up there and then put, take them down. Then she'd put her feet up there and she got it. And we'd hang her from a bar. We'd put her hands on her bar. I'd put my hands on top of her hands and just hold them there and just let her dangle there. And now from just teaching her body how to move as opposed to trying to talk to her or anything like that, she is now able to hang and swing from a bar. She is jumping up and down on the trampoline. She can jump into the foam pit. She couldn't jump at all. She can jump two things now. She can climb up on top of everything in the gym and climb down. She uses the knees and elbows now and then still, but we're working on it. That's Andy's pet peeve. No knees and elbows! <laughs> yeah, it's a big one. Um, but she is now, because of that, uh, way ahead of her schedule. She's made huge improvements, and she is talking here and there. She will randomly, when sure. you catch her off guard, uh, be able to say words, but then you ask her to repeat it, and she can't because she's thinking about it too much. Um, but her parents have just sworn by us and we're trying to figure out how to develop that into a special needs program and work with the, the little people more, but it's been huge for her, for sure. And hugely rewarding, I'd imagine too, right? It's pretty cool. <laughs> okay, Andy, final question. Three words to describe your practice? Fear, fun, repetition. That is not easy to do because I have a lot of words. <laughs> <laughs> if we haven't put you to sleep already by this point, uh, and you're thinking more, 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 give me more, uh, obviously I encourage you to reach out and talk to Andy. So Andy, how can people get a hold of you? Where can they find you? I mean, in a crowd, it's easy. Look for the blue hair. But <laughs> <laughs> uh, I have a page called Teach, Build, Play. You can find that on Facebook. Message me. You can comment on me like message to me. I have a lot of friends, so I may not see it, but if you message me and tell me to add you, then I'm down. Uh, Facebook.com slash blueandy. 
Terrific. Well, thank you very much, Andy. It's been a pleasure. Yeah. Thank you for having me. Thank you for listening. You can go directly to this episode's notes and transcript at moversmindset.com slash 13. Our website, moversmindset.com, has show notes and full transcripts for every episode. We also have writing submitted by movement enthusiasts from around the world. 